You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled The Rich Man and Lazarus. Hello my radio friends, it's good to be with you again and it's good to hear what the Bible has to say. The Bible is an amazing book. Not only does it provide instruction about the best way to live, but if we accept its teachings we will have right concepts about the world we live in and about life in general. Today I want us to look at a passage of scripture that I know many people misunderstand. Before we do, however, I want you to realise that parables, short stories, including parables told by Jesus, are told to illustrate a point. A parable may or may not be true. Parables are learning tools but should never be used as a basis for doctrine. What we'll be looking at today is one parable, which some people have used to base their beliefs on. But that's a bad mistake. This parable was told by Jesus. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. And I'll read it to you. There was a certain rich man, who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you should send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, 
they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Just before this parable, Jesus told another parable about the unjust steward, illustrating how the Jewish leaders had been unfaithful in sharing the heritage that God had entrusted to them. Then, from verse 14 through to verse 19, Jesus remonstrated with the Jewish leaders for not applying the truths that were to be found in the first five books of the Bible and in the writings of Moses. Jesus denounced the Jews for their unbelief. In Luke 16:15, he spoke some very hard words to them. Listen to what he said. You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. You do well to read Luke 16 for yourself. Do it thoughtfully and carefully. Now, let's examine the parable of the rich man and Lazarus to see if it is fundamental for believing in an ever-burning hell. I want to say at the outset that I cannot find any evidence to believe that the parable relates to any real event. The rich man represents the Jewish leaders. They had the word of God. It was freely available to them. They studied it, but it did not make them humble and considerate of others. They regarded themselves as elitists, an upper class, and they kept the knowledge of a kind and good God hidden from the common people. The poor beggar, Lazarus, represents the peasant class of the day. These people were not taught the word of God by those who should have taught them, and they were not protected and cared for by those who should have done it. You will notice that the beggar, Lazarus, was positioned at the gate of the house of the rich man, who had no sympathy for the beggar. The Jewish leaders regarded the peasant class with disdain. And even worse, the rich man would have despised Lazarus as the dogs licked his sores. Dogs were regarded as unclean by the Jews, and no conservative Jew would even touch a dog, let alone be licked by one. Scene 2 Both Lazarus and the rich man die. The rich man is pictured as being in hell, Hades, tormented by flames. The beggar is pictured as being in Abraham's bosom, heaven. Then the rich man lifts up his eyes 
and sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Now here we come across some real problems if the parable is to be believed literally. Is it possible to see billions of kilometres into heaven? Well, no. And even if it were possible to see in heaven, would it be possible to see in such detail that one could see a human being there? Again, no. Later, as recorded in verse 26, Abraham points out that between where the rich man was and where Lazarus was, there was a great gulf and no one could cross over. And then we come to the next bit about the rich man calling out to Father Abraham. That's even worse. The rich man calls out, But can sound travel billions of kilometres through space, which is a vacuum? For sound to travel, there has to be a solid, a liquid or a gas for the sound waves to pass along. When I was in high school, we did a simple experiment where a tiny little Christmas bell was suspended with a piece of cotton from the bottom of a rubber stopper suspended in a flask where the air had been removed. It was not possible to hear the bell when the flask was shaken. Why? Simply because there was no air surrounding the bell. Sound waves do not pass through a vacuum such as in space. And now we come to problem number three. The request that Lazarus dip the tip of his finger in some water and come down to cool the rich man's tongue was illogical and demonstrates that this story was not based on reality. Suppose that one drop would be the total amount of water clinging to the tip of a finger. How much good would that do? Would it provide any relief? No, it'd be a total waste of time. Have you noticed that Abraham is the one who spoke to the rich man? It wasn't God the Father. It wasn't Jesus. Why then Abraham? The Jews claimed that they were descendants of Abraham. Abraham was the father of their nation, and he was the one who they should have modelled their lives on. But if you read Hebrews 11 verse 8, the Bible speaks of Abraham this way, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. In referring to Abraham, Jesus was pointing out to the Jews that although Abraham was the father of their nation, Abraham obeyed God and did what was expected of him, unlike what they were doing. So then, the rich man makes an appeal to Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his family 
so that they will not end up in the same situation he was in. Again, Abraham retorts that the rich man's five brothers already have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them, he says. In other words, Abraham is saying that the Jews had all the Old Testament scriptures and they should be able to find the way to eternal life by following what was told there. In fact, most of the Old Testament prophecies point to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one who came to save fallen humanity. In the Old Testament, there are approximately 350 prophecies pointing to Jesus, the Saviour. Of course, the Jews rejected Jesus and his teachings. If they had taken proper notice of what was written in the Old Testament, then they would have understood that he, Jesus, was the Messiah, the only way by which they could be saved. We're going to stop and go on straight afterwards. Well, I'm going to tag along with Jesus. I'm going to keep tagging along. Well, if I keep telling the story, ain't nothing going to ever go wrong. But when the saints go marching in, do not tell me I'm wrong. For by the help and the grace of God, I'm going to keep tagging along. I may not be able to sing I may not be able to do very much For my Lord and King But if there's one thing I'm persuaded Oh, do not tell me I'm wrong For by the help and the grace of God I'm gonna keep a tag it long Yes, I'm gonna, gonna tag along with Jesus I'm gonna keep a tag it long If I need to tell the story Ain't nothing gonna ever go wrong But when the saints go Tell me I'm wrong For by the help and the grace of God I'm gonna keep a tagging along Although the path grows rugged And although the path grows steep I keep trusting in my Savior Who is so mighty to keep And when the saints go marching in there I'll sing a victory song Yes, by the help and the grace of God I'm gonna keep a tagging along Yeah Keep 
Well, the Jews rejected Jesus. They rejected the way to eternal life. Jesus is continuing to tell this parable with some of the Jews listening to him. And at one spot he really starts to rub salt into the wound, so to speak. The parable goes on. The rich man says, If someone goes to them from the dead, then his brothers or his family will believe. Abraham replies, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. The Jews stubbornly held on to their traditions and rejected the words of life. Yet this parable is a lesson for us. Some people just refuse to listen to those things that will bring them eternal life, and I hope you're not one of those. There are two important issues in this parable about which many sincere people are totally confused. Firstly, there's the idea of an ever-burning hell. The second is about what happens when someone dies. Many people believe in an ever-burning hell. This idea was promoted and cultivated by unscrupulous church leaders who used it as a motive of fear in order to control their parishioners. But the concept of an ever-burning hell with unrepentant sinners being tortured forever and ever and ever is one of the most evil, revengeful and unrepresentative ideas about God that could ever arise. It is an attack on the nature and character of God. If God is like that, he's a fraud. God gave man the power to choose, to choose to serve and honour him, or to choose not to. The Bible is full of statements where God endeavours to encourage human beings to choose, not to force them, to choose to serve him. According to those who support the ever-burning hell idea, if someone chooses not to serve God, then they must spend an eternity suffering torture because they exercise the right not to serve God. The punishment is totally out of proportion to the crime. If sinners are to be tortured in an ever-burning hell, that's like saying there is no choice, and it presents God as an angry, vengeful, implacable tyrant. Another way of putting it is like God saying, you have to serve me or I'll shoot you. This terrible, threatening and frightening concept is nothing more than an invention of Satan and spread around by unscrupulous clerics who misrepresent what the Bible says. God is love. Everything God does is out of love. It is in total contradiction to God's character that he would punish people for eternity in an agony of torture in fire. 
what the scriptures teach is that the wicked will be cut off. Psalms 37, 9 and 24. Cut off like a branch pruned from a bush. The scriptures teach that the wicked will perish. Psalm 37, 20 and 68, 2. The wicked will not live in a state of consciousness forever, but they will be burned up, Malachi 4.1, Matthew 13.30 and 40, and 2 Peter 3.10. They will be destroyed, Psalm 145.20, 2 Thessalonians 1.9 and Hebrews 2.14. They will be consumed, Psalm 140 verse 35. Psalm 92 verse 7 summarily says this, The wicked will be destroyed forever. The punishment of the wicked will be everlasting, that is, that the effect of the punishment will remain forever. The punishment will be absolute and final. The punishment itself will be quick, and does not last continually. Yes, the Bible does say that the earth and all that's in it will be cleansed with fire some time after the saints have been taken up to heaven to be with God. After the millennium, the new Jerusalem will come down to earth. The wicked dead will be raised, and then the earth will become a lake of fire. All traces of sin and evil and all who are part of it will be finally and ultimately destroyed. Now the second idea I want us to consider is whether or not people continue to have a conscious existence after they die. Again, some have the idea that a conscious identity, sometimes called the soul, sometimes called the spirit, lives on after someone dies. This is a very popular but completely wrong traditional idea that has developed. It claims when good people die, they go to paradise, and if they've been wicked, they go to hell. This idea has probably come about because of a failure to understand Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 which speaks about what happens when someone dies. The verse says, Then the dust from which man is made will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. There is no distinction made between the good and evil people in this verse. So if the conscious entity returns to God, then you would have the situation where both the righteous and wicked spirits are in heaven with God. But that is phony baloney. What returns is the life. The dead person has given it up and is unable to keep it. In Psalm 115 verse 17, the Bible says, The dead praise not the Lord. Why? If the conscious entity is up with God, there should be a lot of praise. 
the dead praise not the Lord, because when someone dies, as it plainly states in Psalm 146 verse 4, his breath goes forth, he returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. You know, a conscious entity must have thoughts. And that Bible says, uh, that verse from the Bible says, his thoughts perish. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 to 56 points out that when Jesus comes, the righteous people, both alive and dead, will be changed from mortal to immortal. If a person lives on after they die, that means they already have immortality. But that's not the case. The Bible has to make sense, and the conscious entity living on after death does not make sense. If they were living on after death, how come they would then be given immortality? The Bible answers for itself. When someone dies, they do not continue living in another form, in another place. Eternal life will only happen when Jesus comes down from heaven and resurrects the saints whom he will take back to heaven. Friends, it's good for us to have a proper understanding of the Bible. Otherwise, we'll be confused. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus does not answer the questions of death and hell, but it is a lesson for those who stubbornly refuse to accept truth. I hope that this study has helped you today. I hope it's given you reassurance that what lies ahead is not an eternal torment in hell. We've got to stop. Until next time, I wish you blessings and peace and joy as you discover the sacred truths of God's book, the Bible.